then I tried to catch it with my face. Bad things happen when you try to catch five ounce pieces of leather with your eye socket. Man, this is pretty freaking good, dude. This is the, the future is looking sexy with those guys at the top of the line. Welcome to another episode of Digging In with JP and Sevia. I'm your host, as always, Nick Ashbourne, and today our guest is new Blue Jays outfielder Derek Fisher, who may not have made the most uh, elegant intro to Blue Jays fans, but he's a guy we know the front office is really excited about. He can do a lot of things, play all three outfield positions, and uh, Stackass loves him with that sprint speed, so hopefully we'll see him swipe a couple bases down the stretch as well. Yeah, it's the Welcome to Your New Team podcast, Derek Fisher. Fans get to meet Derek Fisher. We'll ask him a few pe- questions about who Derek Fisher is, but then we'll get into some stuff because I want to hear what he has to say because I think with the Houston Astros, he kind of got messed around with a little bit, and I don't think he was given the opportunity to really play every day and have a, you know, I know that he made the opening day roster in 2018 and he didn't do that well. They sent him down and all these different things, but I, I don't feel like for whatever reason the best of Derek Fisher has been able to come out at the big league level, so I'd like to be able to pick his brain on that. Yeah, it's interesting when you get guys who are with such a good organization like the Astros or the Dodgers. They're having so much success. They don't don't have the luxury of being that patient with them. You know, if they don't perform, they got to send them down because these guys are trying to win games today. And in theory, one of the benefits of a rebuild is you can give guys a little bit of run, even if they're struggling, because there's not as much urgency to win. And you can see what guys really have. And I think that that's what the Blue Jays are hoping for with this Derek Fisher trade. Yeah, I think this is something that they've done. You you know, you've seen uh, obviously I'm, it's tough to compare Jose Bautista to this, but you've seen what guys have been able to do that have played on other teams and then come over to the Blue Jays or any team for that matter and have an opportunity to to say, "Hey, you know, Derek Fisher, you're going to play every day for us. You're going to be a guy who we pencil in in the lineup every day, so don't worry, don't do anything other than get ready to play every day." And then sometimes because of that all of a sudden this, you know, player flourishes. I mean, he's a first-round pick. I mean, the guy is not just a guy that that came out of nowhere, right? Like, this guy was a a high pick out of college. He went to University of Virginia. I mean, he played high-level college. So I just think that it's a – the mental side of the game and going to the field every day and having to – you know, like you said, sometimes you're on a winning team. This stuff is stacked. If you think about it, you know, I was telling a friend of mine is, look at Houston. I mean – even the Alvarez, that that short, the outfielder that came up from Cuba, I mean, this guy's been going off for the Houston Astros. You got Jay, you got Reddick out there. You have Springer. You have Brantley. I mean, this is a packed outfield that makes it tough. And a, and a, believe me, a, a player feels that pressure of having to come up. And if he doesn't perform right away, then he knows that he's kind of on the chopping block. I did want to start off by talking about the Astros a little bit before we get to. Derek Fisher because it seems like the trade deadline and especially someone in my position who's like I'm monitoring things closely in the office and it's just nothing 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 and then suddenly it was everything at the end and it seems like no matter who you ask the Astros are the huge winners of the trade deadline where a lot of teams were reluctant to push chips in you know they went and got the Blue Jays trade obviously is going to help them we saw that with that no hitter that Aaron Sanchez and Joe B. Genie were a huge part of uh, but also Zach Granke is the big piece for them. So what do you, when you see the Astros do this in a year where it seems like no one else is, what are your first thoughts? 
Uh, holy smokes, this team's ridiculously nasty. I mean, I don't know that starting rotation. I mean, people have tossed around there one of the better rotations of all time in the sense of what they, you know, you're running out Verlander, Granky, Garrett Cole, three guys that arguably could be Hall of Fame pitchers. Like it, it wouldn't, if I told you that, you know, these guys continued their career the way it was, uh, they they can be up in those discussions. Then you you know you have Sanchez who then goes over there to the Astros. Obviously, whatever they're saying to guys development wise, he threw his curveball more than he's ever thrown it in any start, and all of a sudden he has a no hitter. Um, I think that's the cool thing about analytics is analytics are good, but they still are different to every team. Every team uses them differently. Every team uses information differently. And so, obviously, whatever Houston's doing, they got Garrett Cole, and he's been a monster. They got Justin Verlander, and he's been a monster. I think whatever they do there, they do a good job of teaching guys how to use their stuff to the best of their ability. And if if it's, you know, I, I say just convincing guys, getting them to buy in because, you know, some guy may think that this is my breaking ball I should use in this count or that or, you know, they go and I think that they just transfer information so well. They put guys in positions to succeed, and that's why I mean they're good players, but also they've gotten to Houston and become better players. Yeah, I think that the buy-in is a huge part of that. I don't think there's that big a difference between the statistics that are available to Houston Astros and what other t- teams have in terms of their databases and what tools they use and things like that. But there definitely seems to be a difference in their ability to quickly get that information to players and get those players to use that information seemingly without any kind of pushback. And that is a lot easier said than done. And we've seen it with Verlander, Cole, Charlie Morton, Brad Peacock. You can Wade Miley this year, although he was kind of coming around the year before. But you can point out tons of examples. And if you are Aaron Sanchez or you are Joe B. Genie, do you start to get excited about going to a team like the Astros at this point because you think this team could really help my career? Like I could, especially Sanchez heading for free agency, like I can re- really rebuild my value, be a genie a little bit of a different spot. But as a player, what do you think when you're going to a team that just is notorious for developing players, specifically pitchers? Well, I mean, I'm excited. Forget the, even the develop part. I'm I'm excited to go into a an atmosphere that's a winning atmosphere and a and an atmosphere that has a chance to win the World Series. I mean, this is a team that has a legitimate chance to be a World Series champion. So I think that's the first part that you're excited about. And then the second part is, yeah, you're excited, especially like you said, Aaron Sanchez is going into, you know, a free agency. He had a tough a tough year start with the Blue Jays. All of a sudden, let's say he turns it around and just goes lights out. I mean, his free agency stock will go through the roof as opposed to what it was at because now people will say, "Well, you know, his stuff is still there." Da, da, da. I mean, I think I think this could really really help him. So you're definitely excited to go to a team like this and finish strong. Also, it's a fresh new look. So maybe, you know, for him it's just I'm going to start my season fresh here because then I go into free agency and then I could use these numbers as a, as kind of my gauge for free agency. So, but I think anybody who's a player and goes to an organization that's notorious for really kind of getting guys to have their careers, not just turn around. I wouldn't say turn around because listen, Verlander was Verlander. Garrett Cole's Garrett Cole. Why uh, Wade Miley is Miley, but 
take it to another level is how I feel like they've done on the pitching staffs for players. So I, I would I would be excited just to be around there and go, hey, I know I'm going to get better and this is going to help the future of my career. Yeah, and I had just assumed that Aaron Sanchez was going to be a bullpen piece for them. And that I had kind of been banging the drum for put Sanchez in the bullpen all year, to be honest, just because it's been three years now. He's struggling with these finger issues. He seems to lose velocity during games. Like, there's a lot of things that point to Aaron Sanchez would be really good in the bullpen. So I was a bit surprised. And we'll see what they do with Sanchez next year. I'd be surprised if he starts for them in the playoffs. But I think it's pretty impressive for them to run him out as a starter and get that kind of outing out of him right away. And I, part of this, to be fair, is not just the Astros. I think part of it is Sanchez leaving Toronto. I know that uh, he's had a good run here in some ways, but it, he's just a classic change of scenery guy. He's dealt with a medical staff for three years now that hasn't been able to solve his problem. And that doesn't mean that it's a bad medical staff necessarily, but when you deal with people and they're unable to solve your problem and that erodes trust, I just think that being somewhere else has got to be a bit freeing for Aaron Sanchez. I mean, being somewhere else is freeing for him. You know, I, I don't think it's any kind of secret that there was some, there was a little rift between guys in that clubhouse, uh, you know, with him and Stroman, they were, you know, that those things, I, I just think that stuff is, is just uncomfortable in general. Uh, so I think, the, you know, then they, they're able to go to different places. I think for both of them, you know, I know Stroman didn't want to necessarily just get out of Toronto and, but it's it's both of those guys are in new teams and and that's another little little thing that is small and I'm sure they would tell you it doesn't bother you but when you go to work every day and and people don't see eye to eye and you're just not really friendly with another person I feel like that's kind of making it awkward so you know they both go to just new environments and I think then they can enjoy going to work a little bit easier one thing that a very small detail of all this that I think is kind of funny is going to be how the Houston clubhouse and media adjusts to Joe Biagini because if you don't know what you're getting with Joe Biagini, like I saw someone trying to give a post-game interview with Biagini after that game and they were, you know, they were very professional and they were doing a fine job and I'm like, this is not how you're going to have to get to Biagini. Like it's, this is not going to work for you. Like if you come at him with the same approach as everyone else, he's just going to run circles around you with that nonsense. Yeah. Well, that's a, you know, they'll, I, I'm always excited to see what happens with Biagini just in the sense of, I mean, he's harmless in, in the end. You you know that he's like, I mean, the guy's as nice as it can get. But I'm sure, you know, sometimes it can get like, all right, dude, just give me a serious answer. Like, I just want one. Just give me one sentence where I can have like a normal conversation with you. I know I've asked players that uh, were on the team with him in, in Toronto and it was like, dude, is there ever? And they're like, no, I just stopped trying to have a – normal conversation with him so i mean he's quirky uh and i'm sure he'll he'll still be joe and and at these houston the guys in houston will kind of at the beginning think like oh this guy's kind of funny and then at some point it's like all right dude uh you're just different that's it uh, both of these guys beyond their personalities and the mental side of it have the qualities that it looks like Houston has been looking for. I mean, one of the stories out of Sanchez's game was that curveball use. Also using the four-seamer more compared to the two-seamer. I think Biagini's probably in the same place where they see the nice curveball from him and they want to see him throw more of the four-seamer. So it's really easy for me to imagine this looking very good from the Astros' perspective in a couple of years and Blue Jays fans being annoyed perhaps. But uh, 
just because someone produces something in Houston or somewhere else, it doesn't necessarily mean they would have if they stayed in Toronto. So I don't know if that's a commentary on the trade in general, but if I'm a Blue Jays fan, I think it would be nice to just be happy for these dudes and their success as opposed to kind of dwelling on what the trade was because I don't know if Sanchez is going to turn it around in Toronto and we'll see what Joe Joe does. But uh, I think that it's kind of a false thing where people are like, oh, look at what he did in Houston. It's like, well, if you kept him, he might not have done the same thing. So it doesn't it's, – it's hard to equate – these things well and it's hard to equate after one start I mean I think just you know you want to put all your eggs in the basket and listen I love Aaron Sanchez this guy's one of the better dudes around I mean a true true like leader for me that I've ever been around as far as what he was doing with the Jays he's a good kid to have in the clubhouse Um, obviously phenomenal stuff on the mound and he has battled a lot of different injuries and things like that he's been very good he's been not as good I just think you know, at the end of the day, you have to be happy for these guys regardless because they get a new opportunity. The Blue Jays fans have a new opportunity to see a you know, top prospect for the Astros now get a chance to play in the big leagues every day. So I think, you know, it's tough to it, with trades and you know this, with trades, you really never really know, I would say until, you know, later uh, you have to give it at least a season of a, of a trade, right? For Sanchez, a little different because it's going to see this last couple months. But you don't really know who wins or loses a trade until down the line, um, because it's it's right now you can get let's say Derek goes off and you think oh this is amazing or he struggles and you you think oh this was stupid. Like you got to give it some time both on both sides. Yeah, and we've seen that, like, say, with the Blue Jays, for example, when Teoscar Hernandez came and he absolutely went off. It was like, holy crap, we traded, like, the end of Francisco Liriano for this guy who's going to be a stud in our offense for years and locking down spot in the outfield. And that's not exactly how it's played out. Although, it always still could with his tools. But, like you said, the first impression is uh, is always... Not always, but is often unreliable. So we're gonna we're gonna talk to Derek Fisher now, and hopefully you guys can get a little bit of a first impression of what he's about as a dude. All right, as Nick said, our guest today is Derek Fisher. First off, you know we always like to ask, how did the trade go down? How did you hear about the trade? What was going on? Um, I was actually I was with all my with, with the the team I was on at the at the, at the time in Austin. I'm um, in Round Rock. And um, and obviously I knew that was you know it was the last day and there's a there's a deadline so I was at the field and um, quite frankly it actually passed the deadline and um, you know finding out later that it it had come up so close to the deadline you know minutes to seconds to the deadline um, I'd found out about ten minutes after um, and I'd found out from our from from my former team and Jeff Lunau um, he called me and, and told me and from that moment forward I was a Blue Jay and um, it's been a lot of fun. Well, and, and, you know, that's one thing I wanted to ask you about because I think that with teams and certain things with players, it's n- it's not ever easy to get comfortable because a team may say one thing, a team may do another thing. Now you come to Toronto and now you know, okay, I'm in the big leagues. I'm going to get a chance to play. How is the difference coming to the yard every day? Because I, I try to tell people it, the psychological part of, of just the game in general is so important, and I think it's a big difference for a player. Yeah, you know, there's no, there's no question. I think, um, you know, coming over here in this short amount of time in Toronto, and and obviously with with everybody knowing how young our team is, and 
um, and, and how many new guys that we have. I mean, it's, it was, it was definitely something that I wasn't really sure, uh, coming into it. And, um, and I've been here for a very short amount of time and I'm, and I'm a lot more comfortable than I ever thought I would be. So, um, I mean, that's a lot of credit to the staff, to the, to the teammates. Um, you know, they've been nothing but welcoming since day one when I got here. Derek, for whatever reason, the Blue Jays and Astros have made quite a few trades over the last couple of years. So you come into a clubhouse with a lot of former Astros guys that you're familiar with. I'm just wondering what those conversations you've had with guys like Trent and Teoscar have been like and how that has helped you adapt to your new team. Yeah, man, I think from from the from I mean, from the moment I knew I was coming to Toronto, um, I was I was texting Trent um, back and forth. Because again, like you said, the guys that are on this team uh, were guys that I was pretty close to in the minor leagues coming up, and and obviously two very good players in their own right. So, uh, baseball is crazy, man. As you know, it's like you one day you can turn around and some of your best friends are off your team, and you think you the only time you're ever going to see them again is is in the other dugout, and and here we are on the same exact team again, uh, not very far apart from when we were together in uh, in the system with Houston. So. I mean, baseball is a crazy game, and, and again, I tell Teoscar every day, it's like, dude, I didn't think I'd ever see you again. I didn't think I'd ever play, play with you again, and, and here we are. We're playing right next to each other. Derek, I got to ask you about the ball off the cheek. Unfortunately, it became very famous in Blue Jays land. It seemed like you uh, you found the humor in that pretty quickly, which is admirable. So I want to have you take us through that moment and then how quickly you're able to find the, the humor and the laughs and kind of a weird play that you just don't see in baseball very often. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I, I don't know like any moment of when I like clanked one, like the last time I actually clanked a routine fly ball. So, um, no, I mean, the play was just, I mean, obviously one of the more routine plays you can find. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just coming in, charging the ball, just trying to be aggressive. And I was playing right. The Oscar was in center and, kind of approached it as if he's going to call me off he's going to call it but I'm going to be aggressive and and get there and and obviously as you can see in the video I'm calling it I'm calling it and um then I tried to catch it with my face so bad things happen when you try to catch five ounce pieces of leather with your eye socket (laughs) (laughs) coming coming into Toronto so now you get traded Toronto what do you know about the city what did you know about the team coming into this trade um, you know, I, I've heard nothing but great things about Toronto since um, being in baseball. I, I mean, obviously being in, in Houston, being in the AL. Um, unfortunately, I had never played there before yet. Um, so everywhere you go and everybody that you play with or against talk about how great Toronto is and, and how great the people are and, and, and the culture that's there. So, I mean, it'd be an understatement to say if I wasn't, uh, you know, crazy, crazy excited to get there and see what it's like. Yeah, you'll definitely love Toronto. It was uh, a good city. I'm still there quite a bit, so you'll you'll very much enjoy it. And then, what did the, when you get traded? What did the Blue Jays tell you? What you know, I, you told us about Lunau talking to you, but what did the Blue Jays tell you that they expect? You know, I think I, I think I mean just from the outside looking in, I think a lot of people can can really have that answer. I think it's just simply having fun coming to the game, coming to the yard every day, playing hard. Um, you know, this team is. This team is young, like, like we said, and and um, and we're here to win, and that's that's the best part about it. So we're still here, and we're still here. We're 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 eager eager to grind, and and that's the and that's the best part about it. It's August and showing up. You don't really you don't really know the the culture and 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 how uh, and how some teams work because everything is so different. Again, as you know, and um, you know, getting here and just seeing how eager everybody is to work and and how much fun it is day in and day out uh you know it makes a uh, makes a long season a little bit better 
Derek, a lot of guys who are fans of the Toronto Blue Jays kind of think of you as a young guy who's breaking in and kind of getting your feet wet. But you actually had some experience at the very highest level in the World Series super early in your career. So I'm wondering what being in the World Series just as you break in does for your career and being able to feel those stakes. And then also the important question is what do you do with the World Series ring? <laughs> well... First and foremost, the World Series ring, uh, it's in a safety deposit box, and I don't think I've looked at it since I got it. Um, but, again, I think it's one of those things that, that, uh, that definitely, the fact that it happened um, is something that I can only wish for as a, as a kid, and, and the fact that, um, that it did and I was there and we won, um, is, it's unexplainable. And, and especially for it to happen so early in my career, I mean, you look at some of the best players that have ever uh, they've ever stepped on a on a baseball field. Have never won a World Series, never been to a World Series. So that's something not to take lightly. And and I feel like that, uh, uh, you know, my time in Houston and the players that I was around and the people that I was able to learn from uh, was definitely you know being at the right place at the right time. And and now ultimately being able to use all those things that I've learned to to hopefully help other people and and help my teammates out. I need to follow up on the ring for a second here. How long did it take you to take it and put it in the safe deposit box, and why did you not take the opportunity to flash it around when, as you said, so many people who played this game never even won a ring. You get one, and then no one in the world gets to see it. What's that about? Well, well, I mean, I think it's more of a me thing, not a them thing. So, so I lose everything. So... I lose a cell phone, it's fine. I lose my wallet, like it's that that sucks. But if I lose that, I don't really know what I do. So I'm not even gonna give myself a chance to lose it. So for that, I'm gonna leave it in the safety deposit box until I'm at an age of where I feel like I'm responsible enough, and then we'll talk about it. Well, all right, we talked a little bit about baseball, but I want to know about Derek Fisher. I, I like to get into some other stuff. So on an off day, if you can do anything possible, what's Derek Fisher doing on an off day? Ooh, um, well, uh, up close to the top of the list is nothing. <laughs> That's close to the top. Um, I like to fish. Saltwater or fresh? Fre- fresh or saltwater? Depends on where I'm. Depends, depends on where I'm at. Um, mostly fresh. I live in I live in Florida in the off season. I grew up in in Pennsylvania, so I'm a northeast kid. With I just was around a bunch of ponds my whole life. Um, so yeah, I mean mostly mostly a lot of nothing, fishing. Depending on where I'm at, if it's not too hot, maybe I'll go outside and see what's up around the town. But if it's too hot, count me out. All right, favorite music. Ooh. Um, man, I listen to pretty much everything, but if I've got a, if you've got a, I got to pick one, I mean, probably mostly just, just rap or hip hop, but I listen to, to nearly everything. So wait, one what food. are you going to walk up to at uh Roger center? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't answer that yet. <laughs> I'm in a different place. I'm in a different place where like different artists are like, are more popular, so I mean, I'm one. I don't know. I, I have no idea. It's probably it's gonna be like of the rap, hip hop genre. You've got until Thursday. <laughs> I got time. I got time. All right, you got you got you got one you got one meal that you have. You can pick with for one meal, last meal. What do you want? Steak. Oh well, here it is though. Rare, medium rare, you, or well, medium rare. Oh, thank you. Medium goodness. rare. All right, he's a winner. Medium rare. He's a winner. Yes. No hesitation no, whatsoever. No 
Yes. Before we let you go, I need to. We want to get some clarification on something because you see, you said you're an uh, an expert on Trent Thornton. Uh, Trent Thornton's <laughs> Trent Thornton's been on the show, and uh, he's been making a lot of noise about his ability to play the harmonica really well. And I just wanted to ask if you've ever seen that done, or if you believe that's true, or is he just making up a hidden talent? I don't want to see. I've never seen him like kill it with the harmonica um when we were with houston back in the day uh his first spring they actually made him stand up in front of the whole entire group so i can only imagine how nerve-wracking that was so it's not like he was actually killing it but i don't want to say that he's not very good at it but i would love for him to be because the personality and and i mean he fits the kind of guy that should just carry a harmonica around just impress everybody he's around so i feel like if he's that good just bring one around all the time. I'll have to ask I, about <laughs> Well, listen, thank you for coming on. The last this is quick for me. Do you go by Derek? Do you go by Fisher? Do you go by Fish? Do you go by D? Like, is there what's what's if fans wanted to get your t- attention? What do you what do you go by? Fish. I mean, I feel like Fish is just the nickname I've been given since since you get into sports with the last name of Fisher. I don't really think I can get away from that. D Fish. I mean, anything. There he is. Fish loves to fish, and uh, we're going to be excited to watch you. I'm I'm all in. I'm a Derek Fisher fan now, so I'm all in. No question, man. I appreciate you. We can't really have a Blue Jays-focused podcast this week without talking a little bit about what's going on with Bo Bichette, and especially his bat. But what is going on with his first week in the majors? He has not played a game at this time of recording where he hasn't gotten a hit. Uh, he's kind of seized the leadoff spot. It's a, a spot that he could be holding down for years, potentially. He's been hitting bombs left, right, and center. And, uh, you know, he's just shown power, contact, everything you could possibly want to see from him at the dish. Uh, I mean, shit is what I, I mean. Like, just like, holy crap, dude. This dude, first off, he's going oppo taco, and it's like... I mean, they're not easy pitches to just go oppo taco on. He went down and away in in, in Baltimore. Um, he's smashing that ball in Kansas City. He just looks the freaking part. Listen, remember when we sat down with him, he was as confident as it can get. I mean, you knew that this kid had, had something special to him just by the conversation. You knew he's a gamer. Obviously, I think all these guys have advantages growing up in the game, but I mean, he embodies the everything about a stud and a big leaguer. I, I just think the way he goes about it, his body language, um, man, it's been fun to watch. And you know, one of the coolest things that I thought, and it was, I mean, I I wouldn't say it was subtle, but it, I mean, him and Biggio going back to back, I thought that was pretty cool. Like, I mean, you, you just look at Vlad is Vlad is going off. I mean, he is going off. Bo's going off. Biggio's doing Biggio, he gets on, he hits home run, he'll do his thing. But, I mean, you, you watch it and it feels like, all right, first batter, Bo, second, Biggio, third, Vladdy Jr. And you're like, man, this is pretty freaking good, dude. This is The, the future is looking sexy with those guys at the top of the lineup. Yeah, I mean, a lot of fans are not super happy coming out of this deadline. I think that's understandable. They're not happy at how far this team is from winning. And I think that they are probably a ways off just there's so much pitching this team needs to acquire but if you're talking about a rebuild having two foundational pieces like Vlad and Bo seems to be 
is just such an advantage. Like the Tigers don't have that. The Royals don't have, I mean, the Royals have some guys, but these other teams that are in the same spot as the Blue Jays, where they're trying to build their way back, they're still waiting for that Vladdy. They're still waiting for that bow. These guys are here right now. And I think that that's super, super impressive to me. The thing with Bo that I think is interesting is that he made those comments about how he was ready, how he didn't have that much more to learn at AAA, how he felt like he'd improved in every area of the game. And for me, that puts a little bit more pressure on you to perform pretty much right away. Because if you say all these things, I don't have anything to learn in AAA, yada, 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 and then you come out and you hit 150 with no power for your first week, week and a half, that puts you in a little bit of a hole. And so... It's pretty cool to see him totally back up his words, and that, that's part of the Bo story for me. Yeah, well, but that's a, that's the difference between somebody who says it and doesn't truly believe it, and somebody that says it believes it and knows that it's going to happen, right? Like he, because he he's not going up there going, "Oh my gosh, I said this, and this is what I need to do." Like he ain't doing it because he believes in it so much. He's so dialed in in his head and his brain that. He doesn't know he doesn't he doesn't even know that he probably said that. He's just like, dude, I'm coming up here to rake and this is what I do. I just I'm a good damn player. I I wherever you put me on, I'm gonna I'm gonna smash. And that's what he's been doing. So that's why for me, I don't even think that that's even pressure for him. He just expected it. He expected to get up there. He expected to do what he's doing. And listen, the big leagues are tough, right? I mean, we've seen Vladdy. Vladdy's had his growing pains. Everybody will go through it. I mean, the best of the best go through it, right? But it just from the from the onset of it, it looks like you can see what he can do because a guy that can go to all parts of the field, go deep at all parts of the field, um, play good defense. Just, I I just think it's it's cool again, and and these guys are an advantage, man. I, I it is what it is, but they are an advantage when you grow up in the major league clubhouse. You see your dad in the big leagues. You have these guys just have a different feel of the game, man. It just is what it is. You, there's no going around when you they have experience before they have experience, and not and not a lot of guys get to say that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it it, it really showed with Vlad considering how. There was a media circus around him, and everything he did was being watched. And I think it that pressure may have affected him a little bit at the beginning, but he ne- it never looked like it affected him. Bo seems to be the same way, kind of indifferent to what's going on around him in the best possible way. One question about Bo from what you've seen so far and a little bit in the minor leagues. Do you think that he is the leadoff hitter of the Blue Jays going forward, or is that his ideal role? Because when I'm watching Bo, I see a guy who's aggressive and has – a lot of power, and I'm thinking he might profile as more of a number three guy for me, but uh, we'll see. I guess also over as people get older, they tend to get more disciplined, more patient at the plate, but his speed and the fact he's going to hit for a high average presumably could put him in the leadoff spot, but the way he's swung the bat and some of the stuff he's done in the minor leagues makes me think more and more that he might be more of a run producer in the middle of a lineup. Uh yeah, I would agree with you. I was I was about to say I think that he's a three hitter. I mean, Vladdy could it be the four guy? Uh, I mean, or could it be Biggio leading off because he gets on so much? He's a big walk guy, so could Biggio be a, a guy that you put on and then have a two? Because th- now analytically they say the best hitter maybe two, two holes. So maybe you put Biggio two or Biggio or excuse me Biggio lead off boat two and Vlad three. I think. 
you have to plug in the lineup based on what they do because as of right now, maybe this is the best way to do it. You have a lefty up uh, second. So, you know, usually you have a lefty in a two-hole. He can do some things, roll the ball over, move him over to third base for the, th- the three-hole hitter. But I think um, it all depends on what happens with the future of this team and who do they go out and they get a speedy, you know, leadoff type hitter. Does Jonathan Davis – ever become a guy that's that's an everyday dude that can can lead off i mean it, that's the biggest thing is you have to have somebody who can fit that mold if not i think then you you do plug bobichet in there i mean you think about george springer um and what he's done at the leadoff spot not your typical leadoff guy but i mean 30 plus homers gets on i mean it's just the game is evolving i think too based off of matchups and stuff like that so you know you see tampa how they move everybody around i I just think you have to have to be a leadoff guy you have to have a a, a, like a mold a type you know like a a juan pierre back in the days or you know you you look at true true leadoffs d gordon is a leadoff kind of guy like guys that you're like okay this guy's leading off the game but if you don't have that, then I think you just have to mix and match. Yeah, I also think there's an advantage to like if I'm Charlie Montoya right now, I probably have Bichette one and Guerrero two, and the reason for that more than anything else is just to get those guys the most possible plate appearances. I mean, right now you're not really thinking of wins and losses as much, so I want my young players who are adjusting to the league, the guys who are going to be my stars, to get as many kicks as they can as possible this season because that's how you develop is by having more time at the plate. So, we're going to end it off with a would you rather, as per usual. This one going against the grain a little bit because both options are positive. I know that we often delve into the negatives. These are two fantastic options I'm going to present to you, and you can make a judgment. So, number one, would you rather go to a concert of all the artists on the current playlist that you're listening to? Maybe you have your own custom playlist. Maybe there's a playlist that you found on Spotify or something that you're really into. So you can have like all the artists that you want to listen to in one concert and you go and you have access to meet three of them backstage. So you have like the ultimate pass to this concert of all the songs that you're listening to essentially. So only the songs or the bands? The bands, all the band, like all the bands, I guess. The- okay. Well, no, because it's going to be the length of a concert. So I guess all the bands will be there, but they'll only play the songs from the playlist. You're not going to get a concert of like 12 bands each playing 10 songs because that would get out of hand. Or number two, would you rather be in a movie with five actors slash actresses of your choice? You're not going to have a big part in this movie. You're going to have a small part in the in the film, but you'll be in a movie with kind of your favorite actors in it. That's easy for me, only because I'm not a big movie guy. I'm I'm much more into music than I am into in the to movies. In movies, I'm kind of a nerd. I'm a big documentary guy. I just want I just want like I'm not a big fiction guy. I'm I'm a nonfiction. I want to know um, history stuff. I want to know just different things. So movies for me are not um, as high up there as opposed to music. I would I would definitely like to go and uh, the thing is I have, I mean I have a lot of different like I have different playlists 
for different events, right? Like when I'm going to the gym, I'll be going to the gym at some point after this and I'm going to put on some hip hop and some stuff that I get gets after it. I have a like an island mix, I have a country mix, so I I mean it depends on if if it came down to it, I would probably want to go to like country the country concerts over anything else yeah and presumably you could make your own playlist and make like that's what i'm thinking i got a playlist right now that's just kind of a mix of things that i'm listening to right now and it is all over the place and i'm thinking the concert for that would be absolutely bonkers also no one would want to go to it except for me because it like the artists would be so conflicting in terms of genres however I'm going to go the other way because I think that being in a movie, even if you had like four lines or something, is something, it's lasting. Like you can go and watch that movie again, you know, 20 years later. You can impress people with that. You don't tell them you're in the movie and you're like, hey, let's throw on this movie. And they're like, oh, I've heard that's a good movie. And then you're watching the movie together and then suddenly you're like some random cafe owner who has four lines and is like, oh shit, that's you. I think that would be a cool move to have in your back pocket. Uh, I think the whole thing really is an exercise in do you prioritize an experience? Because no doubt the concert experience would be a lot more fun. Or do you prioritize a memory, something that you can look back on, something that I guess you were part of creating, although the acting wouldn't be a big part of it. I think that I could be okay from the acting perspective. I did a lot of acting in high school do a lot of on-camera stuff. Now I'm not saying that I'd be great. You were a, you were you were a thespian? Oh yeah. I was a, I was a lead lead in the play in my high school. So, I've been on camera a bit. I I don't think I'd be amazing, but I don't think I'd be painful. Sometimes you see cameos of people who aren't actors and they're in stuff and it's just it's just brutal. Yeah, it's like it's, I Yeah, it's not. I think I can clear great. that bar so that people see me in the movie and they won't think I look horribly out of place. I'll do that. But yeah, that that concert would you know probably be one of the best nights of your life. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I I I would love. I I just like music. I don't know, man. I mean, uh, movies. The only reason why, if I was ever in a movie, it'd be like just to be with. I, I grew up a huge. There's two guys, actually three actors that I'm a fan of. One of them, Adam Sandler. One of them, Will Ferrell. And the other one for me who I would like sit there and watch all day would be Denzel Washington because that dude's a freaking gangster. That would be a weird movie. Adam Sandler, Will Ferrell, and Denzel Washington. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's not. It's uh, the revenge movies are right like Denzel Washington. So, but I mean, again, I'm more music. I'm more music than I am movies. And and I'm not, I mean, I'm not big into the, to the movie scene and all that stuff. I can even tell you the last movie that I actually saw. So I can tell you that the last playlist, playlist I've had, you know, what music I was listening to, but not, not movies. All right. Fair enough. I think they're both, both great options for very different reasons. I can understand either of them but i'm gonna take my role i don't know why i instantly thought that the role would be me as a cafe owner because i don't know if that's even believable uh for you, me. Have, you you would if if you were a owner of anything i feel like you would be a coffee shop you'd, i'd walk in there you'd be a coffee shop you'd have that big beard that, yeah yours. that's just you'd, beard you'd discrimination be, that's not based I, on anything that's just like straight up beard discrimination yeah no i'm, I'm stereotyping i like to mix just, in a nice coffee here or there but it's not really my scene <laughs> anyway that's gonna wrap it up for today 
Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed and continue to subscribe and rate, whether it's on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen. We appreciate you, and we will be doing this next week, and hope you tune in. Bye.